Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 225. Happy to be live with you here on Facebook. Proud member of the Education Podcast Network, Voicehead Radio Canada, or wherever you are tuning in. iTunes, leave us a positive comment, leave us a question, um, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in. It is show number 225. Super pumped. Uh, this is someone I've known for many years, but I've never really got a chance to interact with him. And just talking with him a couple minutes off air, Kenny White from Providence College uh, in Rhode Island. I can't wait. He is the strength and conditioning coach. He is the director of sports performance at Providence College. And he's from Staten Island. Me and Kenny, hoops guys from Staten Island. We got a million guys in common. Um, but we're going to talk a lot more uh, uh, than just basketball and sports today because uh, he's doing amazing work, keeping those athletes fit, keeping them in line, and certainly keeping uh, Providence, Co Providence College on the map. I do want to thank today's sponsor, the Coaching and Leadership Journal. Here is the October version, and I know my uh, virtual background kind of throws that off, but here's the journal here. It's got a bunch of pages, right? It's thick. Um, and this is actually how Kenny and I got brought together. Kenny's a subscriber to the Coaching and Leadership Journal and use that discount code uh, MARADA20 for a 20% discount. Kenny, make sure you put that in there, get a little off. Um, but this is my friend Dan Spanauer. It's a monthly journal. You get it. It's got a variety of articles, leadership, humor, uh, inspiration. So check them out. And I want to thank them as a sponsor. And really, we're going to kick off the show about that. Because as a leader, right, we're looking constantly looking for things of self-improvement. How can I get better? What's a resource I use? What's a tool you use? What's something? I'm going to learn some, some tips and tricks from Kenny today. And the journal is something I subscribe to. I love it. I get it every week. Well, Kenny gets the journal too. And somehow Dan Spanauer says, I got to connect these two. And uh, Dan put me in touch with Kenny. And, and here we go where we have a lot of connections and, and, and we're going to do some work together. But it is that step towards growing. It's that step towards getting yourself better that helped me make this connection. So as a leader, make sure you are doing those things, reading journals, listening to blogs, stepping outside your comfort zone, because you never know where those connections are going to lead to. So um, we will start with that. But let's bring Kenny in uh, here. Uh, he, nice enough. They had practice today. Uh, all the way from Rhode Island. Kenny, welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond. I'm fired up. Thanks for having me, Andrew. I really appreciate it. It's game time. I, I don't know when you're going to start shooting, but uh, we're excited to have you on. Yeah, I'm a pass-first guy, though. <laughs> Kenny, uh, amazing. Our backgrounds here, all these years out of Staten Island, uh, Catholic schools kind of growing up in, in the same era. You were a little bit before me, but uh, so nice to be able to make this connection now here on uh, the podcast. And it started with that coaching and leadership journal, which is really, really good. I get it every month. I disperse it to some of my colleagues and some of my college teammates. I mail it out. And um, you mentioned earlier about trying to improve. And Coach John Wooden said it best. It's what you learn after you know it all that counts. Mm. And that's where that journal is really, really comes in. It comes in. It's, it's the older you get, it's less about the X's and O's and more about uh, – how do you reach your athletes? How do you reach your students? How, what buttons to push? And, and just different tactics and techniques. And uh, that's how the journal connected us. I read your books. 
I read your book, so. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that because there's a lot of uh, people connected. But let's start with you, Kenny. You're the you're the strength and conditioning coach um, and the director of sports performance at Providence College. And you're, you're in your 20th year. Uh, you know, so tell me, how, how do you feel year number 20 there? I feel great. It goes, it goes really, really fast. Um, I remember when Derek Jeter retired. He said, I played 20 years, but it went fast. And, and that's kind of how I feel here. And it, it's a really, really great school, great place to work, great coaches, great college campus atmosphere. It's, it, it went really fast because it's such a it's a great working environment. And I've had great student athletes and great athletic administration, athletic directors. I'm standing in, a, in our latest facility. It's a brand new basketball weight room. So we've built three new weight rooms in 20 years. So that helped it. It went much faster because we were always building new facilities. It doesn't feel like 20 years. Yeah. Every, every year you're getting fresh. You know, as, as an educator, as a, as a high school principal, as, as a teacher, every year you get new students. So it, it kind of starts to cycle over. And I, I've heard, I heard this saying, right? You, I've done it 20 years or I've done one year. 20 different times, right? And, and to keep yourself fresh and new. Kenny, you know, this is really starting to feel almost like normal again without COVID two, three years now. Um, what are you seeing now different in your athletes? Uh, are there some more precautions you have to look at with kids that had COVID? Are kids more out of shape? What are you seeing on your end? Well, I think most of that was a couple of years ago. Two summers ago, there was no summer training. The school year ended early. So I think at that time, we were worried about athletes being a little bit out of shape, deconditioned, not having access to facilities, not having access to the best nutrition. But that was a couple of years ago. So most of our athletes now are pretty much all caught up. And, and most of the health protocols are, uh, are just controlling it, right? They, they test symptomatically now at our, at, at our level. They only test if, it, if you have symptoms of an illness. But I think that the athletes, more than anything now, that they appreciate more than they might have in 2019. When that was taken away, yeah. I think they appreciate adults like adults like you and I, the coaches, the mentors, the, the facilities that, that they had access to, and then all of a sudden it was gone. It was a Thursday, I think it was March 12th. I was in New York City with our team. We had the 2.30 uh, quarterfinal game in the Big East tournament. We were going to play, and they, in the, we were on the bus and route to the garden, and they pulled us off the bus because the game got canceled. The Creighton-St. John's game, they cut off at halftime. The yeah. noon game, it was the last college basketball game played that year, and, and that's how it ended for our seniors. So our juniors, our sophomores, I really think they came back with an appreciation of, damn, this, this isn't a given. Yeah. The facility so most of that getting the athletes back in shape that was a couple of years ago now it's pretty much everything's it feels very normalized so tell me kenny how, how do you design your day right obviously you're you're fit yourself and i know exercise and diet is part of your life but how do you design your day what does a typical day look like i know you just started basketball practice uh there so walk me through a day well today our first basketball players came into weight training with me at 7 a.m and by that time my workout was already done I'd already done my walk, my personal workout. I already read the newspapers. So 7 a.m. comes, it's almost like lunchtime for me. <laughs> but we had guys at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., 9 a.m. They came in between their classes or before their classes. So when practice started today, 
the strength training was already completed. Mm. So when practice just about ended about 15 minutes ago, then they could focus on recovery, getting in the whirlpools, getting stressed, getting just getting ready for the next practice, and then they'll have dinner in, in our facility. So my typical day would be most of the work is done before they go on the court. Sometimes they have to practice, but we're more concerned now about getting ready for the next practice, getting ready for the next workout. And that's really recovery, nutrition, uh, stretching, getting in the cold tubs, and, and uh, getting a good meal, getting a good hydration. So, so our guys are really used to training in the morning, lifting, running, getting extra shots, getting extra skill work, and it's kind of our routine. And when I'm not training them, Andrew, I'm spending time designing their programs. Because the design of the workout takes a lot longer than doing the workout. Wow. Training you is differently different from training a guy who's 10. Yeah. Training a senior is different from training a freshman. Maybe a guy has an injury or an injury history. Maybe a guy's recovering. So you try to find out what that guy needs. And most importantly is I watch them play. How does that guy move? Can he move better? How does he jump? How does he land? What's his lateral movement? So you try to watch them play. How can we use the weight to help them on the court? Because that's the only reason they should be lifting. Does it transfer to the court? And not just basketball. Does it transfer to the field of play? Whatever kind of physical training you're doing, that's some carryover to the baseball field, to, to the swimming pool, you know, to the ice hockey ring. Some kind of, your training has to prepare them for competition and also try to keep them more durable, keep them out of the training, keep them healthy. I've watched some videos on you, Kenny, over the years, and you use the word durability a lot, right, to be able to stay on the court. You know, you played in every one of your games, uh, you know, in the Hall of Fame there, your career in Vermont, right? You didn't miss a game. Um, Thank you. Well, how, how much knowledge – I mean, you're dealing with the thoroughbreds, too. You're dealing with the top athletes. How much knowledge do they already have about fitness and stretching and hydration – or are you really got to teach them because they're still young kids when you're getting them? I, I think we have to teach them more the, the non-physical, proper nutrition, proper sleep, hydration, recovery. It runs, the, it runs the gamut. You have some guys who come in, they've had some private trainers, personal trainers, and some kids, guys have had nothing. But they're very athletic and they're gifted and they're highly skilled, but they've never weight trained, never been on a formal program. But most of the guys and the gals at this level want a formal program. They want some structure. The real good athletes want to be coached. They want to plan. And sometimes they want to know the why. Sometimes you might have to explain why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. So they, you get even more buy-in if they know why they're doing it. But it runs the gap. I think what you see more now than when we played is there's a lot more games under that belt when you get them. Three, four games on an AAU summer circuit weekend. You know, just lots more games, formal games. We might have played more pickup games and playground games, but they've had a lot more structured games and a lot less practice. Yeah. We used to practice all week for one CIO game on a weekend. You know, now they might play four games on a weekend. They don't. The games mean nothing because they lose one. They play an hour later. Play an hour. <laughs> so yeah. you got to find that. I, I might have an 18-year-old freshman whose body's 25 because of all the pounding and the the overuse. So you got to find that balance. And that's what makes coaching fun. Kenny, how about, um, you know, 
us as a regular person. I'm not a Division One athlete, but clearly you have a background here. What kind of tips would you give to someone who's not a Division One athlete on, on being healthy? Right, I got a lot of educators watching this show. Um, they want to bring them best selves to their work. Um, you know, what would you say is, is some of the best hacks you could offer to the non-Division One athlete? You, you try to you try to get a routine. Try to structure your day where you put exercise in that part of your day. Um, and if you're unsure what to do or how to do it, find someone who does. Maybe make it that investment. We buy clothes, we buy cars. Maybe I got to invest in my health and fitness. If I don't know much about it, maybe seek a professional. But even just simple as, as going for a walk, making that part of your routine. And it does help if you have a support system, your partner or a group of friends or work out and support you if you're trying to get fit again. But nothing beats just going out for a walk. Get the body moving. Get the body moving. You mentioned that that's something that's in your routine. Also, you walk in the morning? Pretty much every day, often twice a day. Wow. Some of it is for, for physical, for exercise, and some of it is for mental exercise. Yeah. Really, really creative when I'm walking outside. You, you leave the phone, you leave, you leave, you just go for a walk. We got a lot of things in common, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or go for a swim. Nobody can bother you when you're, when you're in the water. Sure. You don't get an email. You don't get a text. You don't get a call when you're in the pool. But what I always about... try to do it the very first part of my day. The, the best the best part of my day often is that first hour or two when I'm just getting my exercise, my workout, clearing the head, thinking, planning. And then at night, I'll do one more just to almost, um, if it's a nice night out, why rush home? Yeah. Get some fresh air. Kenny, the older we get, I know our diet has a lot to play into it. You know, uh, give me a percentage, right? I'm, I'm 47. Is it the percentage of exercise, the kind of exercises, the food? What, what If I had a math word problem here of my fitness, is it 50% exercise and 50% diet? Is it 75, 25? Does it change as we get older? Does my question make any sense? Well, <laughs> I think most of us overestimate how much we exercise and underestimate how much we eat. Mm. Most of us. We think we work out a lot more than we do. We think we eat a lot less than we do. So, but we eat a lot more than we exercise. So I think that the, the nutrition part is incredibly important. Portion size. And I, I just think you have to get a good balance. But you can Did do something every day. You could walk every day. But Did then do I have a Ben and Jerry's afterwards? Do I eat a full pizza pie? I mean, it's some of it's basic common sense. Just yeah. portion control, a little bit of a little bit of discipline. I tell the athletes to eat a colorful plate. Are there reds? Are there greens? Are, are, are there different colors on their plate? That means they got fruits and vegetables. If it's just brown, where it's a burger and fries, and it's just there's, there's no color, you get less. You're gonna more likely to have your various nutrients, vitamins if you have a colorful plate of food. Wow. But Kenny, I don't think it's necessary did, a percentage of diet, workout, sleep. I just think you try to get a good routine, start out walking and slowly build up, slowly build up. Same way I train my athletes. I it's, start out with minimal, minimal weight training and slowly build up your, your, your volume. And the first thing you want to do, I tell Andrew, is adults, build up the frequency of workouts. Two days a week to three days a week to four days a week. Then you add the volume. 20-minute walk, 25-minute walk, 30-minute walk. Lastly, worry about the intensity, yeah. the speed, the intensity of the weights. 
most people do they do the intensity first and, and it, it, they the breakdown or, or they and they also you have to be realistic it takes a while to improve fitness and most people if they don't see the improvement on the scale they give up you have to have realistic goals especially at yeah. our age yeah just short short improvements have some short-term goals that are achievable but it helps if you have a support system and if you have a plan you have a routine yeah it all makes sense there. Kenny, my guess is the lights were on the uh, motion there and they went out. Yeah, motion sensor, yeah. yeah. I'm standing we, in one place. All right. Well, we can still see. I don't know if they're <laughs> going to go back yeah. on. Yeah, the lights. But you can see me. We can, can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's a There's little no more dark. light switches. It's all techno technological. <laughs> There's no more keys. It's it, You tap the fancy uh, ID card and it opens the doors. We need your girl Sue back there taking care of business. Yes, our basketball administrative assistant set me up on this. For the listeners, I'm not a technological guy. <laughs> I needed help with this. I just got my first iPhone in June of 2022. No technology. I tell my athletes, this is the best computer chip. Yeah. This is the best computer chip. But Kenny, I'm learning, I'm, I'm, but I'm trying. I know you're humble and, and uh, you know, you don't talk about it too much in front of your athletes and stuff. But uh, as someone who was watching from the sidelines, uh, let's talk about your career a little bit. Uh, you were a pretty good player yourself, uh, but you set a, a, a world record, a record, you know, 75 points in a high school game back in 1997. 1988. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. 88, sorry. I don't know I had the wrong year. And in um, New York State, in New York State, that was the first year of the three-point line in high school basketball. Was it really? The summer of 87, the New York State High School Athletic Association adopted the three-point line. So lots of guys could shoot from that far out and make those shots in the playground, but it was all two points. So I just benefited from my senior year having that three-point line. Walk me, walk me back. Bring some memories back there. Well, I, it's not something I really talk about something I really look back on. It's nice that people bring it up, but it's that was just one game in my career. And it's and it has stuck with me because that number has staying power. Yeah. Unfortunately, that'll probably be the first sentence in my obituary <laughs> on in the Staten Island newspapers. Hey, the guy who scored 75 points. I remember the advance. It was such a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it was a big deal everywhere, really. You, yeah. uh, WFAN, I was on WFAN, CBS, New York Times, USA Today. It was fun because it involved my teammates, sure. you know, and, and they were involved and they were just a bigger part of it. You, you can't score that many points unless someone's giving you the ball. The crowd, the crowd was booing your teammates if they shot. <laughs> Some of my teammates should have gotten booed. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, it was, it, they were really making the extra pass to get me shots because I think throughout my career, I was giving them the ball. Yeah. And I made a couple baskets and it kind of just, it's a different time. Now. That right now, that would have probably been viral at halftime. Sure. You know, they it would have been live streamed while I was doing it. There's there's, a, there's one old VCR tape of that game that, you know, most people didn't believe it actually when it first happened. My dad was a high school coach. He came home from his game that night and did not believe me. <laughs> My brother did not believe me, so they had to call the Staten Island Advance to verify it with the sports department. So funny. Because I wasn't a shooter. I really wasn't a shooter or a scorer. I was, I, I had, I had under 20 points a game in high school, you know, because I was really a point guard, get the guy to the, get the ball to the open man. And I had one night that has kind of stuck with me a little bit. 
But up here, no one knows about it. You know, I don't talk about it. They'd have to, like Casey Stengel said, you could look it up. <laughs> when did you know you had something special going on that night, though? Was it halftime? Was it after the first quarter? Like, when did you know, like, I'm, I got a hot hand tonight? Well, every every day, uh, every game day, I'd always go and shoot in the gym around 3 o'clock, right after class, by myself. And I was really, really cooking. I'd go around the horn, take a ton of shots, different spots, two-pointers, three-pointers, and I had to cook it. But then in the pregame layups, I made nothing. And I missed my first two shots, and the third shot rimmed in. But I think I ended up with 22 points in the first quarter. Mm. And that was more than my season average. But at halftime, it was kind of, you know, it was 40 points at halftime. So the guys were like, well, you know, they at halftime, it was pretty unique. But we won the game. That was really more important. Sure, sure. And amazing, right? The connections. Gary Prager, my supervisor, my, my friend as a referee, refereed that game who went on to referee in the Big East. Yes. Yeah, and he said his arms are still tired from making the three <laughs> points. And the gentleman whose record I broke, he said it in, 19, in the 1960s by the name of Jerry Houston, who played at St. John's. Went to the same high school as my dad. Lifelong friends with my dad. I broke his record. He had 69. He called our house the next night to congratulate me. And that's just a classy, classy guy. Just the basketball in New York community. And, and uh, it, was, it was a fun stretch. You know, it was a fun stretch. Obviously, high school doesn't get that kind of national media, New York City media exposure, especially on Staten Island. But it was nice. My teammates were involved. It was good for the school. And, uh, but we still had a lot of games in the season. So you got to move on pretty quickly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, overall, right, you're a Hall of Famer at Monsignor Farrell, Hall of Famer uh, in Vermont uh, College. You know, looking back at those things, right, it's nice to be recognized. What do you say about that now, Kenny, as uh, in your position that you're, you're helping lead young athletes or being a Hall of Famer yourself? How does that how does that make you feel? Well, Monsignor Farrell was not an athletic Hall of Fame, oh. which made it even a little extra meaningful. Like, was it included in that Hall of Fame, not for sports. Just for maybe for being a good citizen and just giving back to the high school. It was Monsignor Farrell does not have an athletic Hall of Fame. Whereas University of Vermont was for, was for athletics. So okay. it's nice to be remembered, to, to have some kind of a lasting uh, impact. It would have been nice to have some championship banners hanging in the gym, win a few more games. But um, it is nice to be remembered. And you don't know when you're playing that, that you're not playing for that. Sure. But, but it's but it's nice to, to be recognized. And it's even nice when your teammates are there with you. And I had teammates at both of those events. I coached at both of those events to celebrate together. Because John Wooden, I coach John Wooden a lot. He was the coach of the century, last century. The number one coach in all sports. John Wooden said, life is a united effort of many. Life is a united effort of many. Think of all the CYO coaches and the summer league coaches and the, the, the people who just were parents who, you know, let you in the gym and supervise you. And just all those coaches, those faceless, nameless coaches and volunteers and guys, older guys in the playground that, that encouraged you and made sure you played and got picked up in the games. But life is a united effort of many. So the Hall of Fame plaque and trophies, there's a lot of other people's hands on that. And that's what I try to impress upon the athletes. Today we warmed up, Andrew. It was our 
first practice, and something I told him the first day we met in the summer, if you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go together. So you do it together. And that's the best part of team sports like basketball and football. Team sports where it's guys and gals working together for one goal. And, that, and that's the best part of coaching, really, is can you help mold that team concept? Because the team concept stays with them when they're parents. It stays with them when they're older in their workforce. So you hope some of the lessons in the weight room go beyond the weight room, go beyond the basketball court. Because I've coached 20 years, but the college career is only four. It's just one small phase of their life. But maybe some of those lessons in the leadership journal, in the classroom, in the weight rooms, maybe some of those lessons we can pass on to our students that maybe they pass on to their kids. Coach Al McGuire, the legendary Coach Al McGuire, Brooklyn, New York, said, help one kid at a time. Maybe he'll go back home and help another kid. In a generation, we'll have something. That's kind of why I, why I coach. Maybe, maybe we can help the next generation. Yeah, these are great quotes, Kenny, very powerful. And uh, you can tell that you're living it, right? You're not just saying these things. You're living these things and working with these kids. What would you say to the parents, Kenny? Well, Benjamin Franklin said, well done is better than well said. And I try to, you try to, but by your deeds, they shall know you. It says that in the Bible, right? By your deeds, they shall know you. And, and the athletes know you care. I tell the young coaches, I tell my young coaches, I tell the young coaches on this podcast, they're going to know that you care for them more than they care how much you, how much you know. Yeah. They're going to know right away that you care for them. Hey, this is a good person. This is a good, a good coach. More than they really care how much exposure. That'll come. Kids, kids know who's genuine and who's not. They know pretty quickly. Yeah, they say say this the highest respect. They're like dogs; they'll sniff you out pretty quick. They know, yeah, they know. They know who the phonies are. And they, they also know. know who's there every day. You're there on a snow day. You're there on their worst day, on their best day. Yeah, who's there yeah. after you lose? It's easy when you're winning. Who's there when it's tough? Who's there when you got a flat tire? Kenny, what would you say to the parents? Right, you got kids coming in. Uh, if we have parents listening here today. They have a high school athlete or a middle school athlete. Um, you know, what are some things that you would advise them, right? A lot of a lot of parents see their kids earning that D1 scholarship. And they, but what would you say to them in the moment while their kids are playing middle school sports, high school sports? I would say let, let, let the child, let the kid initiate it. Hey, I want to play Little League. I want to play basketball. Or, hey, I'd like to do some strength training. I think if it's being kind of driven by the – by the athlete, particularly as they get a little bit older, instead of maybe pushing the kids towards an AAU basketball or a, or summer baseball, if it's driven by the kid, maybe the parent stays in the background a little bit. My father coached 40 years, high school and college basketball. Wow. And I tell everybody his, his best coaching job is he never coached his kids. He was rarely at our games because he was coaching his own teams. He was very much in the background. And... and there was never any pressure. We never felt there was any pressure to produce, to perform, or even to participate. I think when they're very young, you may have to introduce your children to sports, sign them up for soccer, sign them up for basketball or track. But I think as they get a little older, ask them, hey, what do you want to play this year? What do you... And the research has proven this, Andrew, that most students give up sports in high school, most students, because they're not having fun. 
So somewhere along the line, we're losing that fun. And we can't blame all that on the adults, but it definitely is adult, youth, youth sports is an adult driven culture and it's a financially driven culture. You know, the playground athlete, the multiple sport athlete is, is, is this, it's rare. Almost non-existent, the playgrounds would be packed with multiple, different age groups. And now that weekend is spent traveling to some tournament. And I just think it, if, if the kid's gonna get a scholarship, you know, that'll happen down the road. I think yeah. we just be realistic and maybe just be in the background a little bit. But I am not a parent. I am just an uncle. I have, I have, I have seven nieces and nephews. Oh, wow. So, so it's hard for me to advise as I'm not a parent. But I think it gets challenging, Andrew, when the parents invest a lot of money in these travel teams and summer leagues. And, and then they want maybe some, some return on that investment. Yeah, there's an expectation, right? I paid for this. If it's totally doing it for a college scholarship, they, that may not be the best motives or motivations because it's really, really, really hard to get a college scholarship. Absolutely. But maybe you can get a college scholarship in music, in the band, in, 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 in mathematics, in history. Esports now is, is you can get scholarships in esports, electronic sports, video games. But I would just say, you know, support that that child. But let, let them decide that interest. So let, let it be driven by the by the youth. Yeah. Kenny, let's take a 30-second timeout. See if you can put that light on so we can see your pretty face again. See if the – you might have to go hit the button or something. You know, there you go. Look at that. Look at that. Much better. Okay. Yeah, I'm in one spot, no, it's, but usually it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of action going on in the weight room. But I do want to make sure the American flag is in the background. There you go. I like it. God bless America. It is there, and it's lit. Uh, Kenny, you mentioned about your morning routine, right, and, and great leaders – but, you know, great mornings, right? So walk me through your mornings, hydration, quiet time. Um, what are some morning routine uh, uh, hacks that you would share today? Pretty simple. I rise early, quite early. What's early? Is four, five? Usually by five, I'm already walking on the track. I'm already training. So prepare the night before, and it's pretty simple, right? Get up, brush your teeth, wash your face. And I live quite close to campus. And I'm, I'm going to get my laps in the track, thought darkness, and finish in the sunrise. There's no better feeling. You're outside in Providence, Rhode Island, in, in walking? Well, we, we have a really nice track on campus. But it's outside? Yes, an outdoor track. It's not that cold yet. And then it gets cold, get cold up there. I don't know if anybody told you. It gets cold. But in the winter, you bundle up, and it makes you feel alive. Wow. You're walking in the mornings up there in the winter, too? In the mornings, too? and it's very, very quiet. And it, very rarely are there other people, maybe one or two other early birds. And I, I tell the athletes, and I, I quote a lot of people, but Mark Twain said, eat a live frog first thing in the morning. Do the hardest thing first. The rest of the day's downhill. <laughs> but I really believe you use that early morning time before the day starts, before the emails roll in. You know, with me in the morning, I do my walk. It's me and the bread trucks and the milk trucks, the only ones that are really out there. And it's nothing simple. And then, then I, then my, I'm on campus and get a shower, something simple and light to eat. And then I'm training my athletes because we have to train them before their first class. You know, they're on campus, different from high school, different from middle school. They're yeah. already physically here. So we'll try to get some training in before that 8:30 class. Are you are you hydrating before you walk? After you walk, what are you what are you putting in your body before or after the walk? Mostly water. 
you know, I like fresh fruit and, and maybe, maybe a protein shake when I'm done, but, but yeah, not, nothing fancy, but I try to do lay off preserved foods, preserved foods. Yeah. I tell the athletes if you have to rip it open all the time, it's going to have preserved as opposed to banana and apple, but nothing beats water. Okay? I tell the athletes if it flies, swims, or runs, you can eat it. Do they quote you? Do they, I would they, think they, they quote they, they do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they bust my chops. But that means they're listening. That's right. That's right. But these are fantastic quotes. We always man. start the workout. I try to give them some kind of message. And they're paying attention. And at the end of the workouts, we often do history lessons. I was the history major in college, in political science. Hmm. And I feel like I could do more than just sports. Because anybody could do sets and repetitions. Yeah. Can we, do, can we go a little bit beyond sports? You know, so when Bill Russell passed away, the great basketball player, we spoke about Bill Russell. You know, when the different athletes and different leaders have passed away. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg died a couple of years ago. I spoke about her in her background. And just to try to go beyond a little bit, um, beyond sports. And I spoke about Bill Russell. And our athletes barely knew who he was. And I said, you know, read his books, guys. You should get his books. His books are... And they're like, what did he write about? And I go, that's, that's one reason to read them, to, to learn about him and learn about his challenges back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. But you, you try to go outside the weight room. Isn't that what a coach, teacher, and a, and a leader should do? Make them think. Make them think a little. But, yeah, they tend to quote me a little bit. and You try to mix it up. Hit. You got to push the buttons, you know, because if I train you for months on end, there's only so many pep, pep talks and stuff fired up speeches so you try to push their buttons differently make them think a little not too much but make them think a little and, and you're going down this road now kenny you know we talked about nutrition you talked about fitness you talked about recovery but now you're kind of getting into the mental part of it how much of all of this that you're doing is mental strength versus your physical strength wow it's a big big part of it because most of us can do more than we really think yeah. We all have another rep in us, another sprint. There's more in us. Most of us have so much untapped physical ability. So maybe we're never really pushed. But I do think that, you know, above above the net. I tell our athletes all the time, UConn, Villanova, Georgetown, you can only beat us twice a year, but you can beat yourself every day. Mm. Bobby Knight said that the toughest opponent is human nature, the person in the mirror, because he or she can beat you every day. So you try to train their mind. And, and going back to what I said earlier about, about training, you mentioned about like adult fitness. I give them the challenge, but it's realistic enough that they can achieve it. So it's attainable, but it's out of that so-called comfort zone. So you try to hit the mental side of it intellectually and push them a little bit. Derek Jeter said, you don't just accidentally show up in the World Series. <laughs> and I tell our team that there's only so many teams get a bid on Selection Sunday in March. Yeah. Yeah. You do not just accidentally show up in the World Series. It doesn't yeah. just happen. So at this level, I have to push. You've mentioned Derek Jeter a few times. Have you watched The Captain? Is that have you seen that? I do not have cable. I do not have a television. I, I don't watch any of it. I saw him play, so I don't oh, know if wow. I have to watch it. You've seen it up. But he was a winner. Yeah. He's the winner. Oh, he is a winner, for sure. Sustained. And he's like a gentleman, team first. His teammates love him. 
You never read about him in a police blotter or any of the, uh, any. It was always just baseball, competing, winning. But I, they may not listen to Kenneth White, the strength coach, my athletes. But if I could pepper in a Derek Jeter, or Kobe Bryant, or Bill Russell, or Billy Jean King, or Serena Williams, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, if I can pepper someone in, that might have a little more weight to me. I, I talked to our team a couple months ago about Nelson Mandela. And most of them had never heard of him, so we had to do a little bit bigger history lesson on who Nelson Mandela was. Yeah. If I can back it up with some people of significance, or those who really accomplished. I played high school basketball in Staten Island. That's, that's nothing compared to a Derek Cheetah, or a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or Muhammad Ali. And I could see then how the journal fits in what you're doing, because he does touch on these things. And... Uh, you know, when Tom Brady retired and here's October, right? He's talking about Reggie Jackson. So uh, I can see how the, the leadership journal uh, can be useful for you. Kenny, we're coming down the stretch here. What was something uh, you wanted to talk about that I did not ask you about? Well, I think we covered a lot. I, if there are teachers on this, um, I, and I tell my young staff, it's not what you know, it's what you can transmit. There's an old saying that Jesuits say. If you want to teach Johnny Latin, you have to know Latin and you have to know Johnny. You got to get to know your people, my athletes. And same with a staff. I have four assistants, four colleagues, four assistant strength coaches under me or with me. You're a principal. You got to get to know your soldier. You got to get to know those people in the trenches with you. What motivates them to do the best job possible? Colt Colin Powell said, a leader is a dealer in hope. Hmm. Give them, give them a reason, optim, optimism, enthusiasm. Give them the resources and the atmosphere, the environment to want to coach, to, to, to want to motivate, to want to lead. So I, I try to give my staff the freedom and the resources that they're comfortable to coach in their own way, with their own tech tactics and their own methods and their own personality. My, my father was an athletic director for many, many years. He told me when I first got into coaching, he said, your job is to make your staff's job easier. Mm. What do they need to make their job easier? Whether it's resources, support, pat on the back, slice of pizza, and you know, just whatever it could be to, to boost them up. But Colin Powell said a leader is a dealer in hope. And that's pretty good right there. That's pretty good. Kenny, you, you have some really good quotes here. Uh, this has been... This has been great. Let's get to rapid fire here. Get you rapid down the stretch. Rapid fire. Here we go. This is, this is like you uh, shooting them threes on that night. Rapid fire. We're going to get as many in as we can. 17 out of 24. <laughs> here we go. I know you're a reader. What was the last book you read? I read so, so many. A ton of them. But I, what if I recommend is True by Costa Kennedy about Jackie Robinson. Must read. High school. Must read for middle school. It just came out this spring. It's called True. True. And it's four separate years of Jackie Robinson's life. The guy picks four separate years. It's really, really good. Actually, our administrative assistant who set me up with this, her son in sixth grade is reading it right now. Wow. And he reveres Jackie Robinson as a sixth grader. I read all kinds of books, novels, fiction, sports, memoirs. But if I had to pick one book for this year, I would say True by Jackie Robinson and anything written by Bill Russell. Bam. Favorite dish. Favorite dish as in a meal depends on the company. The company's more important than the food. 
Good answer. Wow. Kenny, this is show 225. No one's ever said that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, have me back for 226. We're running out of time. <laughs> You've traveled a lot for basketball. Where's a favorite place to travel and get away to? Favorite place to travel is 7th Avenue, New York, New York. The city's so nice, we named it twice. The Garden. I don't know when it became MSG, but to New Yorkers, it's the Garden. Nothing beats the Garden when you come out of the, the locker room, out of the tunnel. It's got a different sound system, different lighting than any other place in the world. I'm getting chills talking about the guard. <laughs> You're getting fired up. I'm getting fired up because our goal is to play Saturday night in the Big East final. That's right. But even as a kid, going to the garden with the red seats, the blue seats, the orange seats, no place is like the guard. But somewhere it became MSG. I don't think it's MSG to the real New York. The best coaches are the best because fill in the blank. They, I mentioned it earlier, they give their athletes freedom. They trust their athletes. They know what buttons to push, when to back off. They motivate and inspire without beating you down. They let you play. Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll, the football coach. Be yourself, but be a team. Let you've, mentioned be it, you've mentioned a lot of passions today. What's a pet peeve of yours? What's something that gets under your skin? Well, I don't want to offend anybody listening. If I have a pet peeve, I might piss somebody off. <laughs> but if you step on a basketball court or a baseball field, have your laces tied. Nothing's worse than stepping on that court and a kid has to bend down and tie his shoes. I learned at a young age from my dad, you step on that court, you're ready. Be ready. And when, as I get older, you and I having a conversation or we're having a conversation with someone else and that person pulls out their phone in mid-sentence looks at their phone. That's a pet peeve because we've lost our way, I think, with that interaction human interaction yeah but i probably have pet peeves that people piss that i could you know that they don't like that i do but i think when you step on that court you're prepared your lace is tied your flip-flops are off you're ready to go at 8 a.m on saturday morning i feel fill in the blank i feel great i probably already got my i know i got my workout in my newspapers are red i'm probably going to train my athletes we probably have practice at 9 or 10 a.m at 8 a.m on a saturday morning i feel great Best purchase under $100 that has had a great impact on your life? Any good book. They're all under 100 bucks. You're a reader for sure. Yeah. Well, Mark Twain, I'll leave you on Mark Twain. Mark Twain said there's no difference between the man that doesn't read books and the man who can't read books. Wow. There's no difference between the person who doesn't read them as opposed to who can't read them. So the best purchase under 100, under is any book. Wow. Uh, people's reaction when they hear your accent and they learn you're from Staten Island. Forget about it. They, <laughs> many say they've never been there. Or they drive through on the way to Newark Airport. <laughs> or they associate me with that reality show, Jersey Shore. <laughs> so I'm not from Jersey Shore, and I don't know the impractical jokers. But I am a how, Staten Islander. I'm a New Yorker, even though I've been around Island 20 years. How much, how much New England, New York do you get up there? Well, the Yankees win more than they lose to the Red Sox, so. <laughs> but no, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It's it's good. It's... Fa favorite pizza joint on Staten Island. Favorite pizza joint. I'm from the South Shore. You got to go to Lee's Tavern. But wherever I am on Staten Island, I'm getting on any of those bridges, and there's a full pizza pie in the passenger seat. <laughs> Danino's on the North Shore. Lee's on the on the South Shore. Joe and Pat. You can't go wrong. But usually, when I when I'm on Staten Island. I get on that bridge, there's a, there's a full pizza 
in the passenger seat. And it's usually gone by the time I get to the big <laughs> it's, it's not full for long. No. The, the Big East means blank to me. Well, years ago, I remember Gary Williams, who coached at Boston College. He said, you want to have games that play in arenas big enough to have organ music. And they play the organ at the Garden. So the Big East is organ music and big-time atmosphere, big-time games. School wow. spirit. Fans are going nuts. And that, maybe that's as close as I get to the action at my age. But it's close enough because you feel like you're part of it. But the Big East is, is school spirit. You know, rivalries, the old school rivalries, and it's fun. Yeah. It's a step down from pro sports. Uh, so, some would argue that maybe not, but uh, the Big Just East the is the best. Yeah. Two words to describe yourself. No shortcuts. I hope my athletes would say that about me. No shortcuts. And hopefully they learn that from me. If anything, I'm prepared. I never claim to be the best strength coach, the best at what I do, but I like to think I have the most pride. There's no I shortcuts. It. I learned that from my dad. I something, something you're curious about. As I get older, other cultures, hoping when I, when I have more time to travel a little more, to learn more about people from other cultures. Something that Kenny White, uh, something about Kenny White that people do not know about. Well, most people on this podcast don't know me. My, my siblings won't even know this, but I'm actually trying to learn a, a second language. I took Spanish in high school, took Spanish in college in New York, Spanish everywhere, Spanish on the subway ads. But it's a heavily Portuguese community here. A lot of my athletes on the soccer teams are from Portugal. I have a very, very close friend who's Portuguese descent. She's kind of steered me towards learning another language, and it's very stimulating. Portuguese, I'm trying, Portuguese to, I'm trying is to work tough. on a little bit. Well, it's a heavy, heavily Portuguese community up here. Portuguese is tough. <laughs> it's challenging, but it's close to Spanish. Hey, start with the food. Comida, it's a meal. Comida, food in Spanish. Uh, well, you speak a second language. It's called Staten Island Ease. Kenny, yes. you, you dropped a lot of quotes here. I don't, th I don't know if I could just have you end with one, but give us one more here to wrap up the show. Let's wrap, let's wrap it up with one of my favorite poets, an American treasure, Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou said, when you learn, teach, when you get, give. And that's what I try to make my career not perfect at it, but when you get given, isn't that teaching? Isn't that coaching? When you learn, teach, when you get given. Luckily, I saw that modeled in my mom and dad in our house just about every day. And you did that today here in this time we had together. Uh, Kenny, it was an honor to speak with you. I'm so so happy we finally got to connect. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thank you. It's yeah. a lot of fun. It all started with the journal. The, the written journal. word. The written word brought us together. That's right. That's right. Readers, uh, leaders are readers. Uh, this is Kenneth White, everyone, Providence College. Uh, let's root on the Friars this year. Kenny, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you. Thanks. I loved it. Appreciate it. Go Friars. Go Staten Island. <laughs> Stay on the line a second. Check him out. Uh, Hall of Famer, Monsignor Farrell, uh, Vermont, and certainly uh, 20 years at Providence College. Kenny, I appreciate the, the amazing quotes. Uh, keep rolling, friends. If I can help you in any way, don't hesitate to reach out at Andrew Murata 21 This was show number 225. Again, a shout out to the Coaching and Leadership Journal. Uh, that discount code is a uh, uh, Murata 20 uh, for your discount. Kenny, we're going to sign off. You stay on the line, my friend. All right. Thank you, everybody. Keep surviving and thriving.